All right, did I get your wake? Yeah. All right, here we go. You wake? Yeah. All right, Trudy's here. She's ready. She got the PTL and everything rolling today. All right, good. All right. Um, you know, summer is a weird time of year. I remember as a kid loving, loving summer. Doesn't it seem like it's just kind of crazy? It, you know, some part of me, you know, now that my vacation's done, um, can't wait to get back to normal. Um, but, you know, it's just like... I always hear that kids need a schedule. I think grown kids need a schedule too because I'm like all messed up in my head and somewhere here between, I'm, I'm probably about in Virginia, I pro- right about now mentally. Um, but, uh, it's, you know, it's, it is good to get away and um, just kind of think about things and, and redo stuff. And we have so much this year um, as a church and as a, um, as a people, um, just as, as a family and family of God. It just seems like everything's like, Ah, you know, been so much. So, um, but anyway, it's all good. So, I uh, I appreciate uh, Mike f- filling in last week. He was excited. It worked out perfect because I um, I know that was the week that we served, um, and so that that worked out really well. And he was glad to do it. And um, and I hear um, most people that it seemed like people were pleased. That's always a good thing. Uh, you know, you know, it's always a mix when you leave and somebody doesn't like the person who you have speak. And they say, don't ever get that person again. You feel good about yourself. Uh, you know what I mean? And then if they say, wow, he was awesome. I can't wait to have him back. Then you start saying, well, <laughs> what about me? I better go again. Um, so, uh, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Um, we're going to wrap up our fourth and final message of this series. Um, the altar image series. Remember that from a couple weeks ago? Um, and today we're going to talk, uh, we're going to talk about some other things. So altar, once again, I'm just going to give some review. If you weren't here, um, if you'd like to catch up, go ahead, catch up online. Um, but an altar, and that's not spelled wrong, it's intentionally spelled that way. An altar is a place in the Old Testament and throughout biblical history where uh, believers made a sacrifice or laid something down before God as an act of worship. Um, An image is what we think about ourselves. It's our belief system. If I said, do you have a positive self-image? That would mean that you feel really secure and good. If you said, I have a negative self-image, that would mean that you, you don't feel good about the way you look, the way you're built, the way you smell the way your hair color is or what you know what I mean so that's kind of where we've been focusing on this and our goal is to take our image because what we recognize is our image of who we are is completely different from the image that God has of us constantly throughout the scripture we have one person and the next we go back to Moses Moses said I can't speak I can't lead I can't do this I can't go back to Egypt and God saw Moses as a leader of millions of his people we have Gideon, who's hiding away. Remember that, that week? Hiding away, in, threshing wheat in a wine press. And God saw him as a mighty leader. And so we have these kind of things that we see ourselves, and we feel we started with lots of different things. So let's look about now where were we? Because uh, I know after a week we kind of go, and if you had a crazy week, you need to reconnect. Our first week we talked about feelings of inadequacy. And we all recognize that we have some of that. Whether you are the most loud, boisterous, obnoxious person, I guarantee most loud, obnoxious, boisterous people are that way because of one thing, because they're insecure. Um, And people who are shy, reserved, wishy-washy, they're that way. And people in the middle feel insecure at different places. 
and we talked about different ways we're insecure because people told us we'd be no good, or the other side, they tell us we're just awesome and we're afraid of failure. Then we moved on on 4th of July weekend, and we talked about how we are controlling. And I got to tell you, that was one of the funniest weeks afterward for, for most of the people I've talked to. Because people, even walking out of church, caught themselves trying to control and tell people things. Am I right? How many times during that week did you catch yourself readjusting your controlling language? Am I right? It, it just, I catch myself telling my kids, you got it, and I'm like, oh, sorry, <laughs> just joking, right? Um, so we'd have those, and about how freedom comes through Christ. Two weeks ago, we talked about offended me, and how we get offended, and about laying down our right to be offended, and we had that. That was when we were um, over in the cafeteria that week, um, and today we are going to lay down our needs or our needing approval. Um, and that's going to be, um, that's how we're going to wrap up the series. Why? Because we all love to be loved, don't we? Is there anybody who just does not like to be loved? Anybody? Okay, good. We all have a need to be loved. Um, so that's kind of what I'm going to talk about today. And I want to ask you, is that okay if that's what we talk about? Are you sure? Oh, really? Is that good with all of you? I mean, because, um, uh, do you like my idea? Do you, approve, do you like what I wore today? Do you like how I'm talking? Would you want, do you want me to stand up, or is it okay if I sit down? Okay, we all like to, we all like to be approved of and liked. Um, I've got to tell you, I've had just s- several instances, and, po- and thinking about this sermon popped in my mind. I remember the first semester I taught a college course. Um, I was putting everything together, and... What I, re- what I realized I really wanted to do was be liked by young people. You know what I mean? I was, I was getting, hitting that 40 mark, and I wanted to be liked by young people. And so, and guess what? They liked me. And I realized why. My first semester was probably the easiest semester I've ever put together. And after that, I readjusted. And then I started, say, then I started saying things like at the beginning of my classes, hey, I don't fail anybody. And they're like, oh. And I said, but many people fail themselves. And they're like, oh, jerk. You know, you know what I mean? Um, and I found out that when there's structure, some are going to like me and some are not. Right, teachers? And, and you begin to say, oh, okay, well, that'll work out or that may not. And so that was one of the first ones. My earliest memories of sports when I played as a kid, my earliest memories were that I wanted to please others. When I went up to the bat and, and they were throwing the pitches at me, I did not want to strike out because I wanted my team to be like, yes, or I wanted my, my parents, if they were there, to say, wow, look, look at my boy. I'm proud of him, right? I wanted to do that. Or when I was wrestling, sometimes the goal was not to get pinned but to be competitive. So they'd say, good match. If you went out there and just went flop down and bam, they were like, you stink, right? You didn't want that. You wanted people to think that way. And you wanted people to say, wow, he's, a, he's good at wrestling. Um, and some of you may have found that in other areas of sports or it could have been in areas of scholastic. You may have said, I really want to be good and, approve, and, and be approved of my grades. So I want to bring home the best. So whatever it is, there's needs that I found out that we liked. To approve, but it didn't stop there. I, my earliest memories of a pastor, I remember, and some of you may have remember that. Um, my first years when I was when I was a pastor, I was 26 years old, newly married, and I came in and I was going to win the world for Jesus if it killed me. And everybody was going to see how Jack was going to do every single thing, have his hand in every piece of the pie, have an opinion about everything, say everything, and everybody was going to love me. Because I'm just that lovable. Right? 
How could you not love a 26-year-old Jack Cohen, right? Who's just peppy and happy and joyous and ah, and he's really excited and ah, Jesus, yeah, it's great. And I wanted people to know, this guy really loves Jesus. It makes me want to love Jesus. It's awesome. And then you go and people are like, oh, this is awesome. I remember this, this older gentleman, Mr. Young, Bud Young, you remember him. Great guy. And he'd come out, always had a big grin on his face. And he'd say, look at all these people. This is awesome what you're doing. And I was like, yeah, it's awesome. And he'd come out every week. And it was just, yeah. And, you know, and then you'd occasionally have that one person who would say something. And you're like, it just ruined you and crushed you. I'm worthless. Nobody loves me. Right? And you may have been there in your career or in your life. And you find that. I wanted people to say, Wow, we like Jack. We love Jack. He's awesome. Now, I got to tell you, now that I am 42 years of age, I don't struggle with this anymore. Not at all, except for the time when I wake up to the time where I lay my head back down on the pillow. You know, today after church, well, like, you know, I, I spend a lot of time working and putting together and slides and all this kind of stuff to make sure the perfect thing. And then, you know, some weeks when people, you think you got it all together and it's going to, whoo, people, the spirit's going to fall. People are going to be laying on the ground. They're going to be going, whoo, Jesus, you know, just doing backflips out the door. And then people walk out and go, huh, huh, or just dart out another door. I don't want to talk to him. And then there's this part of me that just clicks in my head and goes, wonder if it really stunk today. Right? Or some days, somebody will come out that that was a great sermon, and you think, oh, they're just telling me that. <laughs> you, know, you know what, anybody with me here, this need for approval that you need to have, and it's weird when I look at, here I am at 42 years old, and I still long for approval in my life. And when I look at this, I want to share with you some things today about how, I, how you can know whether you're a people pleaser. And we have these in your bulletin. And so I want you to take a look at this. Number one, how do I know if I'm needy for approval? Number one, I obsess about what others think. I obsess about what others think. For instance, has anybody ever had to give a public speech? Has anybody ever been nervous about giving a public speech? How many of you would be nervous about giving a public speech? Do you know why you're nervous? Because you're worried about what others will think about it. Did you realize that? That's the only reason you're worried about it. Because you can talk to the mirror. How many of you have ever practiced a speech in the mirror? I remember, okay, and, and some of you will do that. Some of you have your note cards, like some people are note card people. Um, some people are outline people. Um, some people are manuscript, and you'll look at that, and you'll practice it, and you'll go. I remember practicing when I was a young pastor. Why? Because I wanted people to love the sermon. I didn't want to make any mistakes. You know, actually, the, the week or two before I preached at, my, um, at the church, churches that I were at, was at when I first became a pastor, my uncle um, at the time was a pastor, and um, he asked me to come preach at their evening service in New Jersey. And so we had Melissa there. We were newly married, just got back from our honeymoon. Um, we had my aunt, we had my mom and my dad, and my uncle, who was the pastor of the church. Um, and um, we were sitting there, and I was talking about the Apostle Paul. And it was called, Shine. I still remember the sermon, and so did the people probably there. I was talking about shining as stars. And here I am, this young guy, trying to make this great impression. And people are connecting. And I have my, half of my family sitting right in front of me. And I went to say, blameless and without fault. Got that? Blameless? Say that with me. 
blameless and without fault. Say that yourself now. I said blameless and without fart (laughs) to a full church of people. And I just put my head down and barreled on, and I look, and Melissa is crying. She's laughing so hard. My dad's going like this. My aunt has got this big grin, and my mom is laughing too. And after church, my uncle, who's going on now to be with the Lord, came up to me and said, Great job, Jack. Just don't fart in my pulpit anymore. All right? I either got approval one way or the other. And so I practiced these things in the mirror. Why? Because I cared what people thought. And that moment when that happened, I was like, ah! right? Okay. Or maybe, how many of you ever have put a f- social networking post online? Who's ever done a social networking post? Right. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, what's happening in here.com, I don't know, whatever. But many of you have, am I right? And when you do that, how many of you have ever gone ahead and put it on there, and then you go, I wonder how many likes I have. What? No. Oh, I only have one comment. Oh, darn it. And you go, wow, look at this, 5,300 likes, yeah. Thumbs up. You notice they don't give us a dislike? Just imagine that would do to us if we had dislike button. We would say, they don't like that? I put that on there. We just, Facebook's made to feel as good. Like, like. How many of you take a, how many of you do one of these? You know what I'm going to do right now? I'm going to take a picture and I'm going to post it on Facebook right now. And we're going to go ahead and find out how many likes I have after this service. Ready? And I'm going to get all of you in it. You ready? People are going to see who's in, in church today. Photo. Is that okay with you? I don't care. I'm doing it anyway. So. All right. Here we go. Let's go here. All right. Let's switch it around so I can get you all. There we go. I'll get some of you. There we go. Now I'm going to post this to Facebook. And we're going to see if we get any likes. All right. I'm going to put Haven Church. People are going to wonder, what the heck is he doing? Okay. There we go. And you guys can go tag yourself in it if you like, if you see yourself. Okay. Now it's going to be, it's loaded on there and people will be like, oh. Now, we're going to check that at the end of service to see how many people like this and see if people really like us or not. And, you know, but how many of us do those self-pictures? And we're like, you know, you see some of these, like, like some people will be like sucking in and pushing out. And, and you know, they look like they're straining. Yeah. Like, go like this. Oh, there we go. That's a good self-picture, right? We do that. And when we go back, we want to see how many people liked it and say, wow, you look amazing. We're like, yes, I do. Awesome. And all it takes is one person to say, what in the world is that? Or I printed that off to scare the rats out of my basement. And you're like, okay. So we obsess over what others think. Um, how many of you, when you get ready and get dressed to go somewhere, you, have, you change a billion times? And you'll do this. You'll come down and you'll say, how, do, how does this look? What is it, you'll have two different shoes on. Does this shoe look better or does that shoe look better? You, did, you, did she do that this morning? And your response was, looks great. Either one. What do you want to do? And, you know, Melissa and I, she used to do that when we were dating. And she'd come down and she'd like, what do you think? It, it looks good. And she'd say, or, or I said the guy word for good, fine which isn't the, the female word for fine, for good, right? Am I right? So I came, she came down, and, 
And, and I'd say, just go ask your mother. Now we've graduated to, just ask Aunt Miguel. She'll tell you the truth. You know, I don't know. I don't care. You look awesome. No, I don't. I'm going to. So we go through this kind of thing. And people, there's people I've heard of that they will completely change everything, including their undergarments. Like, who's going to see that? You know what I mean? But anyway, we, we go through that time and time again. We dress for other people all the time because we want to know what other people think. Or worse than anything, somebody will say, uh, Tom, I, are you okay? Are you feeling well? Okay. And you walk on and the rest of the day, Tom's going, do I look bad? Am I sick? And we go, right? We go through those things all the time. If you really want to mess with somebody, say, wow, is everything okay? Are you sure? Okay. And walk away and they will be messed up the rest of the day. So how many of you, raise your hands, how many of you would say you care too much about what others think? Raise your hand. Keep them up. Now look around at the people who didn't raise their hand. Um, They care too much what others think to raise their hands. So, (laughs) all right. So here we go. All right. Number two, overly sensitive. You're overly sensitive. Um, I've said this. Many people can say positive things. That one person says something negative. It just completely ruins you. And you're, you're just... You just say, I'm no good, I'm a failure, it's a waste, I should have never, blah, blah. And I've done that several, several times in my life. So, uh, overly sensitive. Number three, you compromise your values. Oh, wait, excuse me. Um, Yeah, we're going to jump around a little bit. I got a messed up numbering here. But you compromise your values. Something you deeply, deeply believe in. In the privacy of your own home or people you're safe with, you'll share that freely. But then when you're in a larger group or even when you're in a group that this person has a lot of influence on your life, you'll change the way you feel. Like you may, you may be, have have an extreme, um, nature about what God wants for your life, but did you meet somebody you fall in love with and you end up engaging in stuff that you, should, that you would never have, but because they say they love you, you end up doing that. You with me? Um, or you're a guy and you, you've been taught very morally and you grow up and you, and you do things and you think, find things that's right not, not to treat people wrong and then go ahead, you end up with a bunch of people and you want to look good in the guy's eyes, so you do something. Um, there's tons of 80s movies written about that if you ever want to see that. Okay, so that's one of the areas that we have here, that we, we compromise our values. Number three on your sheet, which is number four on mine, you hesitate to share your faith. You really, really believe Jesus is who he says he is and does what he says he does and, and claims who he says to be. Yet you have a friend whose life is completely falling apart who just needs Christ, but you don't want them to think of you as a religious freak or some kind of crazy Christian. And so you don't share your faith because you're afraid what they'll think. Because now, it, now if you look on television, there's a stipulation about what it means to be a, a uh, Christian. You know, there's also stipulations about what it means to be a, a pastor. I love, and you've heard me say this before, I love when people say you don't look like a pastor. I say, thank you very much. Because if you watch television, I know exactly what that means. And that is, the, that is the visual that people are giving them. And in some ways, it's right. In some ways, it's wrong. So we have that. And number five, this is probably the one that people who uh, need approval have the most problem with. You have difficulty in saying no. You have difficulty in saying no. 
You cannot say no because you want to be liked. You don't have time to do it. You don't have the energy. You don't want to do it. But you say yes because you want to be liked. And say, I want people to like me, so you say yes. You become so obsessed. What And all these things, what the problem is, we become so obsessed with what others think about us that that's the quickest way to forget about what God thinks about you. That when we become so obsessed, let me say this again, we become so obsessed about what others think about us that we forget or don't even remember who God says we are. And that's a problem because then we never know whose we are. It's Proverbs 29, 25. It's in your bulletin. And it says, Fear of man will prove a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will, keep sa- will be kept safe. Fear of man is simply, I, want, to be a, I want, to, want people to like me. I want to be approved of. And a snare, a trap. In the Old Testament, the term snare, or the one that is used here, is the term in Hebrew called mokesh. And mokesh is a, what they would use to put a ring in the nose of, some, of an animal and yank them around. All right? You guys aren't going to shake hands with me now, are you? So, you know, you may say, hey, you know what? Um, I don't like what you're wearing. Do you like what I'm wearing? No, I, I think you should do this for a living. Okay, here we go. Hey, wait a second. Come back here. You should listen to this kind of music. Hey, I think you should wear this to church. Hey, I think you should use this kind of Bible. And before you know it, you're, um, you're kind of all going around. Here we go. Thank you, Patty. Um, but you're being yanked around by your nose to everybody else's stuff. Thank you. And while you're doing that, you end up having major, major problems. The problem with this is when we are trying to please everybody else, it's a major problem, and it's one that, is bro- that breaks the Ten Commandments. It's called idolatry. That we make other people God in our lives, and we put the approval of others over God. We make people way too big, and we make God way too small in our lives. And so I want to share with you in our remaining time the problems of being a people pleaser. And um, we're going to talk about how we alter it. Okay? So number one, the problem with being a people pleaser is it causes me to miss out on God's purpose for my life. Because I'm always seeking the approval of others and to meet their expectations. By doing that, I will never fulfill God's purpose for my life. If you are working in a job that someone told you you needed to do because that was it, but God is calling you elsewhere, you are never going to fulfill your purpose for life. That's just how it is. You can't please God and others at the same time. You see, one of the things that I heard Rick Warren say this one time, and he said, God loves you and everybody else has a wonderful plan for your life. And that's true. Parents, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a plan for your child's life? Have you ever had it mapped out for them? Parents who have grown children, did they follow that plan? Did you try to get them to follow it a couple times? How'd that work out? But it's best when they follow God's plan for their life. It truly is. 1 Thessalonians 2, 4 says, and it's printed in your bulletin right here, it says, our purpose is to what? Please God, not people. He is the one who examines the motives of the heart. So we need to please God. So that's how we fulfill uh, his purpose for our life. We'll come back to that verse again in another version. Number two, 
Number two, it, it, not I, it keeps me from growing in faith. In other words, whose opinion matters most? My friends or God? When I please God, I can tell you when I've done something that God has called me to do. When God has said, hey, here's a path that I want for you. This is what I have for your life. Every time, every time I have done that, there's been hardship. But when I came through it, I've grown stronger in my faith. Every time I've been through a a dark, uh, struggling area, God has brought me through to something that has increased my faith. It could have been the most trying, tragic time of my life, but guess what? I grew in it, and I grew in faith in it and began to trust God more. Am I right there? Isn't that how it happens? Um, But what I find out is when I follow other people's patterns for my life, I don't grow in faith, and actually I feel backslidden. I can't tell you the number of people that I have met in every church I have served and every walk of life who get really excited about God when life is difficult, and they can't get enough of God. They can't connect to enough Bible studies, enough worship services. They're asking you what kind of Bibles they should get and how they should grow and how they should know and how can they get closer, and you give them resources, and then they will Meet somebody in their life who God is not important, and I can tell you within two months you won't see him. Time and time again. I, I, if I had a dollar, I would be a multimillionaire for that happening. And it breaks my heart to the point that now, I, when I, and here's part of my people-pleasing. As a pastor, I used to make excuses for people, and now I say, you realize you're disconnecting from God because that's my job to do. You see what I mean? And that's what happens at time and time again, okay? Look at what it says in John chapter 5, verses 44. How can you believe when you receive glory from from one another that you're passing off glory to one another and do not seek glory that comes from only God? In other words, we need to grow in faith and please God. Number three, it leads me to sin. Let me ask you this. Has anybody... Anybody in here at all ever done something stupid because of peer pressure? Raise your hands. How many of you think the most dumb things you've ever done in your life were done because of peer pressure? (laughs) Isn't that amazing? I can tell you probably everything I've done. Well, not everything. I do some pretty stupid things on my own. Um, How many of you have been led people in to stupid things by your peer pressure? Okay. If you're either a giver or taker or both. Um, And I find that time and time again, look what it says all the way back in Genesis. Do not follow the crowd in in doing wrong. When you give testimony in a lawsuit, do not pervert justice by siding with the crowd. Go ahead and stand out for God. The Bible is full of people that caved into peer pressure. Peter denied Jesus three times. Pilate was going to release Jesus, but was afraid the people would get angry. So he said, I'm washing my hands, you decide. Um... Lot gave in to the people at Sodom rather than sticking up for what God said. And Saul did not get rid of the idols that God told him to get rid of. And guess what? I could write a book of Jack Cohen and it would be the same thing. And I'm sure each of us could write a book of peer pressure going ahead. Fourth thing. It brings about the H word, hypocrisy. People pleasers fake it. People pleasers wear masks. We pretend Life is wonderful. It's great. Oh, I'm so close to God. And meanwhile, we're torn up apart. Why? Because we want everybody to think everything's wonderful. Right? I, can, I, I know many people who have fallen 
many pastor friends of mine, and one of the things they said, they wanted to please everybody, and they forgot to just please God, and it tore up their whole lives and destroyed their lives. They don't reveal their true self because they're afraid that somebody's not going to like them. This is something that I've always struggled with back and forth. From the time that Jill and I were little, I um, that we were, we were doing something or running in church, or I was probably running in church or doing something, and mom would say to us, innocently, now, when we were first young, now preacher's kids don't do that. Now, my dad said, no, 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 I went to school with people who were preacher's kids, we're not going to do that. And mom said, you're right, and they agreed, and they raised us normal, fairly normal, <laughs> as normal as it can be. And if you see my kids, they're pretty normal. Um, and that's because... You know, I want them to understand what life's about, but I want them to choose God in the midst of it. Um, if I put them in a bubble and don't, they don't understand what life is, it's going to be like, ah, culture shock for them. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not a bad thing, but we don't reveal our, our true self when we, when we end up being hypocrites. Uh, you make yourself, look at what it says in Luke 16, verse 15. You make yourselves look good in other people's eyes, but God knows your heart. Okay. Um, number five. And this is another tragedy. It silences my witness. It silences my witness. In John chapter 9, there, one of my favorite verses in Scripture, and every time I think about it, I think when I was taking Greek exegesis in Scripture. There's your term for the day, exegesis. Um, and we were studying Greek, and we came to this story. And in the original Greek, I could feel the man's pain of Jesus had healed him. He was blind since birth. He said, Jesus healed me. It was on the Sabbath. The Pharisees had a problem with it. And he was just so elated that he was healed. Jesus, they go to his parents. His parents say, is this your son? And they go, hmm, if we say yes, we're going to get kicked out of the synagogue, which was the main area. And so he said, um, we're not sure how he got healed, but it looks like our son. They knew Jesus healed them, but they weren't willing to stand up for Jesus. They weren't willing to give testimony. The man says, why? Do you want Jesus so that he can go ahead and he can minister to you too? And they kicked him out of the synagogue. And Jesus found him later and he, he blessed him. Let's look at those who followed Jesus. What, what happened in John chapter 7. But no one had the courage to speak favorably about him in public for they were afraid of getting into trouble with the Jewish leaders. In John chapter 12, it said, yet at the same time, Many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than, than praise from God. We could give another translation of that and say, in the same t- at the, yet at the same time, many among the, the Christians believed in Jesus. But because of the way the world was in 2013, they would not openly acknowledge their faith in Christ for they were fear that they would be ostracized from the rest of society. For they loved human praise more than God. Ouch, right? So, okay, Jack, I get this. I'm hearing this. Now what do I do? How do I lay down? How do I alter my need for approval? Well, the first thing we need to do is start with number one. Even God can't please any, everyone. You know, God can't please everyone. Have you recognized that? Have you recognized the different denominations we have, the different uh, things? And even in, within the same denominations, the same churches, we have people that disagree. And then we don't like this, we don't like that. This is how you've got to baptize somebody, dink, uh, sprinkle, dunk. 
shoot, I don't know, whatever you got to do, spit on them, um, whatever it happens. And when you do the Lord's Supper, you got to do this and this, and I can take it, but you can't, and you can take it, but the eighth person can't. God doesn't even please everybody. So number one, think about it. Two people, Christian people, on two different sides of sports teams are both praying that they win. How's God going to fix that one out? Tie? Ties are brutal, right? So that happens. Um, So only fools try to do what God can't do. So don't try to please everybody. It's not going to happen. Luke chapter 6, look at what it says here. Jesus said, woe to you when all men speak well of you. Let me say that again. I'll give you a moderation. Look out when everybody says something good about you. Because guess what? The only time I ever hear people saying anything good about everybody, anybody want to guess? A funeral. You notice it could be the nastiest person to ever walk the face of the earth and they say good stuff about them at a funeral? Everybody's like, oh, they were such a nice person. You're like, really? This is, you're in the wrong you're in the wrong building? This person was a jerk, right? I mean, we've all had people that we loved that were completely miserable and made our lives miserable. They die, and everybody says, everybody, and you know, they'll bring out that wife of noble character verse. She's worth far more than rubies. And they might, throughout your life, they might have cussed you out and told you you were scum on the earth. But her children rise and call her blessed. Right? Don't we do that? You know, um, and, and we do that. So if somebody is saying, every, if everybody is saying things good about you, check your pulse. And, and check your surroundings to make sure you're not in a wooden box. All right? So that's, that's how that one goes. Number two, what seems important is only temporary. I'm going to give this to you right now. During your junior year of high school, what were the five most important things to you? You got them all? All five of them, you got them? I don't think, it, how many have all five? If you are, you're obsessed. Uh, see what I'm telling you, we don't remember because we don't care now because that was years ago, right? But during that time, we obsessed because of everybody around us. It was going to mean so much. And you know, the next time we obsess about what was important to us in high school, when we go to our reunions, those same people have an influence on us again. And we do on them. It's demented, but that's where we are. John 6, 1 John chapter 6 says, The world and everything in it that people desire is doing what? Passing away. But those who do the will of God will live forever. Number three, we must focus on pleasing God instead of pleasing people. Galatians 1. Look at what Paul says. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people. But of God, if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. For him, for the Apostle Paul, pleasing God meant he was God's, the servant of God. But if he tried to please people, he would have a problem. One of my favorite verses in Scripture is when Peter, Simon Peter, does not sit with the Gentiles. And Paul walks over to him and opposes him to his face. This is the one that Jesus built his church on, he goes over to him and he says, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. And it created a major issue in the church on circumcision. But he looked at him and said, you're wrong, right in front of everybody. Why not? And everybody was saying, oh, he's speaking to Simon Peter, the one that Jesus said he built his church on. I'm sure people were like, oh, who does he think he is? And Paul said, I'll tell you I am. I am a servant of God, not of his. 
And so he recognized it was about approving God more than anything else. The most significant moments in my life is when I have taken a stand for God. They may be some of the moments that I've received the most hardship, but they have been the most. I ha- we all have a choice to be bold for God now or to play it safe. And this will transform your life if you are bold. You cannot please everyone, but you can please God. You cannot please everyone, but you can't please, everyone, can't please God. Paul basically was telling us he was, he was living for an audience of one. And that was God himself. Becoming obsessed with what people think about me is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about me. And number four, our last one today. As I said in number three, focus on pleasing God instead of pleasing people. But then we need to live life from the approval of God, not for the approval of people. Let me say that again. We need to live life from the approval of God instead of for the approval of people. What do you mean there, Jack? As a follower of Christ, God approves you through Jesus Christ. You live from the approval of God, not for the approval of God, by me accepting what Jesus did in my life. As, as I recognize that Jesus came, he lived, he taught, he suffered, he died, he arose again, and I have accepted him as my Savior and Lord. By doing that, I then don't live under my sinful nature. I live under the approval of God as his child. And anyone who believes in him and calls on his name will be saved. I have new life in Christ Jesus. And God has approved me by trusting me with his message. Look at this verse of scripture that's here. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with his gospel. See what it says there? On the contrary, we speak as those what? approved by God and entrusted with the gospel. Once we've accepted the gift of God through Jesus, we are entru- approved by God and entrusted by the gospel. We're not trying to please God, I mean, others, people, but God who tests our hearts. So the last question is, who does God say that I am? Fred saying that today, who am I? I'm going to put a slide up here. I didn't put a lot of space, but I want you to write down these verses and look at these, and I'm going to share these very quickly. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, we're told that you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That's who God says you are. You are new in Him. You are forgiven, and your sins are washed away in Ephesians 1, chapter 7. You are more than a conqueror in life. You may say, Jack, you don't understand. I just, I just take dictation at work. I just go ahead and and I do this, and I do that. And, but you are a, an ambassador. I love the term ambassador. An ambassador is the most important person, most important representative of that country. If you're an ambassador in Mexico, you are the most important representative in that country for the United States of America, if that's where you're from. You, in your workplace, are the most important ambassador for Jesus Christ. You are God's masterpiece. You're perfect. And how God's put you together. You are his work and his creation. You are the light of the world. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry, Andy. Um, you're the light of the world. Matthew 5, uh, 14. We are to cast light in this dark world. You're the salt of the earth in that same verse. That you give flavor and you preserve it. You are filled with the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. In Romans chapter 8. 
you are a joint heir with Christ, which means you and I are sons and daughters and prince and princesses in the kingdom. I've talked about being Christ's ambassador in 2 Corinthians 5.20. And then just another verse over. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And Romans chapter 1, verse 7. You are greatly, greatly, greatly loved by God. That's who you are. Is that different than your image of yourself? Some of you may think you're old and broken down and not new. Some of you may think you are your sins and you're never going to get over it. Some of you think you're just live, you're to live life def- as a defeated person and you're defeated every day as you get up and go about your day. Some may think that you, you're a mistake, that you weren't meant to be here, that you're a mistake. Some of you may think that you just increase the darkness of this world. Some of you may think that you have no connection with the Spirit of Christ. Some may think that you have nothing, uh, that, no purpose in Christ. Some of you may think that you have nothing to share. Some of you may think that you're just waste in, in the world. And some of you may think that God can't love you because of what you've done and what you've been through. But I'm here to tell you, that's your image, and that's wrong. It's wrong. And you need to alter that image by laying it down Before God and saying, I don't want to be who others say I am. I'm tired of being somebody who lives in insecurity. I'm tired of being somebody who wants to control everything because I'm so insecure and have no freedom. I'm tired of letting people offend me and it rule my life. And most of all, God, I'm tired of needing approval from other people when I only need you. And when I only need you, that creates who I am in you. And so, God, this list of things today, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust that you said I'm a new creation. I'm going to trust that my sins are washed away. And I'm going to trust all the other things. Because the main thing I'm going to trust in is that I'm loved by you. No matter what the world says. No matter what somebody in church said to me one time. I need to alter my image and recognize I am a child of God. And then nothing can come before me. We started this verse with a couple of verses of scripture. That's why I love Romans 12 too. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think more highly of yourself than you ought to, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. And that's an awesome verse, but it's set up by uh, Romans 12 one, and I'm going to end with this today. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Lay it down. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true act of worship. Amen? Let's pray as the praise team comes forward. Lord God, we just thank you for your presence here today. I thank you for the sermon series, um, Altar Image. God, many of us have struggled and continue to struggle with some of the things that we've dealt with about our image. But most of all, God, we want to know who you are. We want to know who, what our purpose is in our life. We want to be secure in you. We want to be free in you. Lord God, we just want to not need to be offended and have that control us. We want to serve you. And most of all, as we've wrapped this up today, as we shared today, we want to have your approval from the start. And so, Lord, minister to us today. And if there's somebody here who's just struggled and said, I'm worthless because of what I've done in my life, because of what's happened in my life, because of the friendships that have broken down, because of all this kind of stuff, uh, and we start to second-guess ourselves, God, just erase all that and say, my child, this is what matters is about you and me. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.